にちは、みなさん。ビジネスサクセスジャパンのポッドキャストへようこそ。Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Success Japan podcast. This is your host, Liddy Buchelman. My main goal here is to create an easily accessible resource for those who want to develop Japan specific communication skills, especially in business. While I can't and won't promise to make you fluent in Japanese, I hope that you will walk away from each episode with a skill, piece of information, or shift in mindset that will help you be more effective in your interactions with Japanese business people. But before we get started today, I wanted to quickly let you know about a free resource that I made for people who want to study Japanese on their own. I put together a cheat sheet for the people at a client company to use so that they could start or continue their language studies, and I wanted to make it available to any listener who might be interested as well. Just contact me through the email in the description of this episode, and I'll get you the link. It's nothing fancy, but it should be useful if you're looking for a little bit of guidance or structure for learning Japanese. And now, before we get into today's episode, let's quickly go over some Japanese. In the last episode, we learned a phrase that's particularly useful when traveling in Japan since it's asking how much it would cost to get somewhere. The structure is place, made, ikura desu ka? Place, ma. で、い、く、ら、で、す、か。place までいくらですか So if you needed to know how much it costs to get to the hotel, you could say, ホテルまでいくらですか This week, I'll teach you a useful phrase for eating in Japan. It's a set phrase that you say before you eat your meal, like bon appetit in French or eat smack like in Dutch. In Japan, you would say, itadakimasu. Itadakimasu. Because this phrase can be translated as, I humbly accept, you may hear variations of this phrase in other contexts as well. And since it's a humble phrase, you'll hear this phrase or some variation of it used quite frequently in a business context. So today I have the privilege of sharing my conversation with Faye, a Japanese teacher or sensei based in Michigan. She has experience living and working in Japan, as well as working with students who then go on to have their own Japan experiences. We talk quite a bit about culture shock and learning and growing through intercultural experiences. So, I think that this episode will be particularly useful for listeners who may be going on longer trips to the country or are planning to live there in the future for any length of time. However, we had such a great conversation that I think anyone with any amount of interest in Japan will enjoy it. So, let's get into today's interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have another great interview for you with Faye Valtadoris. If you wouldn't mind just quickly introducing yourself to my audience, Faye. Good morning. My name is Faye Valtadoris.、Um, I am born and raised in Michigan. I、uh, grew up in a Greek household. So this is back 70s, 80s. Basically, my house was like a Greek household. We spoke Greek at home, we went to Greek school. I, I went to public school here in Michigan. And to me, that was. That was my life. That's what I knew. I knew that I would go to school, speak English, and I would come home, go to Greek school, and speak Greek.、Um, and to me, that was normal, although I sometimes felt that people didn't find that to be normal 
at the time. Yes, that's that's the beginning of my life. So then how did you end up getting involved with Japan? I went to Utica schools and they started, they were the first school in Michigan to start a Japanese program. And I was like, eh, okay, whatever, you know, I'm, I'll take French. Well, my mom's like, no, you're taking Japanese. And I was like, no, I'm just going to take French. And she said, right now, like, because it was the big Japan boom at the time, this is mm-hmm. in the late 80s. Um, and she said, this is going to be an important language for you to learn. And you already are bilingual. So you already have the skills to learn another language. So I took it because you never say no to your Greek mother. Um, and because she made me take it, I did not like it. I didn't want to like it. But I took it and I probably, probably, and more so I definitely failed it because I didn't want to be in there and she made me take it. Um, my school had a sister school in Japan and I went the, after I graduated my senior year and I just fell in love with it. It was such a different world. I, I mean, I knew American lifestyle and I, I'd been to Greece many times. So I knew the Greek lifestyle, I knew the American lifestyle, but I knew nothing about Japan and, and their lifestyle and what the country was like. And it was from that moment, it was like, it was like an aha moment. I was like, wow, I kind of like this language. I love this country. And, and I came back having an appreciation for it. Yeah, that sounds like such a good experience. So when you were learning Japanese, did they just not really cover anything about the country itself? Did they not focus on the culture and kind of the unique aspects of the country that you were so surprised when you actually got there? Um, so when they started the program, it was the first program of its kind for Japanese. So for starters, they had uh, my cu- first couple Japanese language instructors were actually Chinese ladies. Um, and they their focus was the language, and they did not talk about the culture, um, but, you know, the textbook back then was nowhere near what we have today or, what, you know, what we would have <laughs> needed back then to learn grammar or anything. Um, we did have Van Camp, who taught, like, the social studies part. And, yeah, he talked about it a little bit, but I guess compared to today, like how I teach it or how I see other teachers teaching it, there's so much more that we teach about culture because to learn a language, you need to know the culture. And I I just, I don't know if, if they, they realized that back then. I mean, we're talking almost 30 years now. Um, So I, I don't feel that I knew a lot about the culture that I learned a lot about the culture before I went to Japan. Yeah. So then you mentioned that you're teaching now. So what exactly are you doing now with Japanese? So I, uh, after I graduated, I went to Eastern Michigan University and got my teaching degree in Japanese language and culture. And I went on the JET program. I lived in Japan for a couple of years, came back, and I have been teaching Japanese for 20 years. Um, I now teach grades six through 12. So 
I do 10 week classes for the sixth and seventh grade students just to get them interested. And then starting in eighth grade, it's a year long program. It's the credit courses. And yeah, it's what I do. I teach Japanese and I love it. So since you love Japan so much, you stayed for two years and you told me earlier that you just really enjoyed where you were at. What kind of made you decide to come back and share Japan instead of staying in Japan as an English teacher? What was kind of part of that decision-making process for you? Although I loved the JET program and I loved where I was, I was in the countryside. It was a little town of like 14,000 people and nobody spoke English. Mm-hmm. Even better for me. Yes. Um, you, you could probably understand where I'm coming from, right, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to get out with my career here. You know, when you, when you think about getting a career, you're talking retirement plans, you're talking 403Bs, IRAs. And I knew I had to, I mean, I was in, what, 25? So I knew I had to, to get that started. So I, I, two years was good, um, mm-hmm. but I, I had to start my career here. So then in your time in Japan, I guess, which aspect did you find that you loved or admired the most about Japan as a country? It can be something big or just something really small. Oh, that's it's a really hard question. question. <laughs> yeah, um, because there's, there's just so much. Um, Japanese people are so friendly and so helpful. Um, I did a study abroad when I was in college for a year and I was down on the island of Shikoku and we used to take a boat from Shikoku to Kobe. And then from there we'd go into Osaka and, and hang out for the weekend and then take the, the boat, the ship back to Shikoku. Well, one day, one night I was on my own. Somehow I had gotten away from my friends and I had gone to the wrong port. Mm. And, and I had to get on that next ship because I had to work. I was, it was a study, um, a work study. And these two ladies not only gave me directions, they took me to the port that I had to be at. Mm-hmm. And that, that just was so kind. And that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. They're just so friendly and so helpful. And even though my Japanese at that time was okay, um, they were just amazing. And, th- and they love to speak English with you. Mm-hmm. If they can do it, they will speak English with you. But they definitely love it when you speak Japanese, but they're just so helpful. And another aspect about Japan that I love is the history. They just have such a deep, deep history, and I, and I love it. Yeah, I actually have, I have a lot of stories like that too, where people just go so far to the way to help you. Yeah. But I, I had a similar experience in Tokyo, which um, if you talk to expats in Japan, they'll be like, oh, they're so much less friendly than other parts of Japan. But you forget that they're still a lot more helpful than many yes. other places in the world. Just having people literally see you look confused, um, walk right. up to you, ask you what you need, yep. and then not only help you, but will literally run around the station, yes. getting you all the help you need, making sure that yep. you're where you need to go. It's just, just yep. very amazing. I definitely admire that part of Japan. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about um, the students you teach? Why do they choose to study Japanese? Kind of what's their motivation? Do they seem to maintain their interest or does it kind of fade away with time or is it just a completely mixed bag? 
So a lot of my students, I can't say for all, but a lot of them start because they are reading manga and watching anime, which we didn't have that when I was growing up, when I was taking <laughs> Japanese. So I don't, I, I compare the manga to comic books. I read comic books. They read their manga. Good mm -hmm. for them. That's how it starts. But I think when they start taking the class and are able to connect what they've learned on their own with what I've taught them, it's like they get to fill in the blanks of things they were not aware of. So I do start pretty strong. So Japanese one, Japanese two, good size classes. And they do get, it does thin out, but only because um, kanji is, yeah. it's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's never not a beast. I, I've, got, I've got a good amount of students that do stay on that have just fallen in love with the language and the culture. I also have a sister school in Japan, in Chiba, mm -hmm. and they come every March. Uh, they come for one week. They do presentations in English on Japanese culture, oh, wow. lifestyle, history, and they, my students host them in their houses. And that one week, it's a busy week for me, but it's so amazing to see these connections that these kids are making. Just because they're living halfway across the world from each other does not mean that they're completely different people. They have so much in common. Mm -hmm. And they make they, the friendships that are created is just amazing. I've got students who... 14 years still have still keep in touch with the student they hosted and then every other year we go to japan and same thing my students do presentations in japanese to them on american lifestyles holidays food stuff like that it's a great it's it's a great unique exchange program yeah that sounds like an incredible way to get people to have a more sustained and in, in interest in the country because yes. with time you yep. can lose some of the yep. initial motivations but if you have friends then yeah it, your motivation lasts as long as your relationships do right if not longer right. that's awesome right. were you involved with helping set that up or <laughs> uh funny story i had just started working in um where i where i work and um i i just got this email one day from this teacher in japan introducing himself and saying uh, you know, we've been doing this exchange for so many years with your predecessor. Are you interested in continuing it? <laughs> and I didn't hesitate. I said, yeah, let's do it. I didn't know it was involved. And I like to think that it's improved. We start off with 10 students and now we're up to 16. Oh, wow. And it's, it's, it's gotten better. Yeah, I mean, just like anything else does, as, as you learn things, just improve. Although this year does mark our 20 year anniversary, mm -hmm. they were not able to come. Yeah. Go figure. But <laughs> a year of an anniversary. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, hopefully next year we can celebrate with them. Yeah, there's unfortunately a lot of those exchanges being put on pause. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. There's not much you can do about it, unfortunately. Nope. So then you put in all this effort into cultivating curiosity and teaching students about Japan. Um, so kind of why do you think Japan is such an important country for your students to be engaged with? Because you hear a lot about people who are like, oh, no, everybody needs to learn Spanish. Oh, no, everybody needs to learn Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, because of 
X numbers of people speak these languages, but why is Japan such an important country in your opinion? You're right. I hear, I hear this a lot. Everybody's going to speak Spanish. Everybody understands Spanish. Well, not quite. Let's just look at Michigan alone. We have 500 some Japanese companies that employ Americans that speak Japanese, even that don't speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so in the state of Michigan, I think it is so important for us to keep programs like this because this is our future. These Japanese companies, because we have the big three here, are so important to Michigan. Therefore, my students who are going to go to college and learn Japanese and hopefully one day become a jet and, mm-hmm. and live in Japan, come back and, li- and work for these Japanese companies, that's what you need. Now, as a nation, we have such a strong bond with Japan. And, and we're talking technology, automobile, um, game, game station, the play, PlayStation and, and all that stuff. Like there's just so much that, that we give each other as, as countries um, and we need to keep that relationship strong. Yeah, I definitely agree with you 100%. Say recently there seems to be kind of more of a sentiment about um, like countries like South Korea and Japan um, being rivals, but it's yeah. really it's a ri- it's a positive rivalry. It's like we make our we make each other better through friendship and through also kind yes. of trying to duke it out over technology and advance. Yes. So it's yes. not so just thinking about those countries as rivals really doesn't do that relationship any justice, in my opinion. You've lived abroad in Japan for a fair amount of time total. And could you tell us a little bit about your experience with culture shock? So for me, because I had my first time to Greece was when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've kind of been traveling since I was a kid and just gotten used to not having my family with me, with me. Um, But I do remember um, on the jet program when the honeymoon phase is over, right? When everything, oh, I love where I live. I have a great apartment. I'm going to make lots of friends. But then you hit like like a dip. And and I did miss my family for a minute there because back then, this is like 98 to 2000, I was on jet. Um, we didn't have Facebook. Mm. We didn't have um, the social media that we have today. Internet, I mean, internet was still, you know, the hardwire internet and and it was hard to keep in touch, but I, um, I dealt with it by my family sent me gift boxes of like American foods, keeping in touch on the phone. I would, I remember back then I would make videos and email it to them. But aside from that, I started taking karate. I was teaching an adult class once a night, um, an English class. I made friends. I went out. You, you have to get out there. I, I played roller hockey with, with the ski team. Um, you have to get involved. You have to stay involved because otherwise you're going to be cooped up in your house. Woe is me. I'm so sad. I miss home. I miss my dog. But you have to realize that you're in, you're safe in a great country and, and you need to take, you need to, for, take the most of it, like as much as you can and just take it all in and do what you can get out there and experience new things. Yeah. So it, it sounds like 
one of those situations where the more you put in, the more you get out of it. Yeah. And after being there for a little bit of a longer time, after the honeymoon phase and getting super involved with everything, did you find yourself getting a little bit burnt out on all of the cultural differences? Just because while, like you said, it's not like Japanese people are fundamentally different than anybody else. It's just that there are a lot of cultural nuances that are quite a bit different. Did you experience any sort of burnout over time from that? Um, not burnout necessarily. Um, for me, it was more like, a, wow, this is really different from America. Um, I remember um, th- their garbage pickup in Japan is very different. Oh, yeah. You've got your garbage, like your, your burnable, and then you have, you know, your magazines, your newspaper, your plastic, your glass, and that's a separate recycling. And again, I was in the countryside. Um, I remember I had thrown an aerosol can away. And mm. on the garbage bags that were white, we had to put our name on them. And my neighbor saw that I had a can of my garbage, took it out of the garbage bag, brought it to my apartment and said, this is not burnable. <laughs> mm. It was it was interesting to me. And, you know, at that time, we didn't really recycle in America either. Okay. So yeah. it was still kind of new to me. Um, but I learned the system. And, you know, like they say, one in Rome. So I just, I paid attention to the charts they gave me. And, and I knew on this day I have to have my newspapers there. On that day I put my bottles there. And I just had to learn the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a super great example. I hear it a lot from expats in Japan. Um, just how steep of a learning curve it is. It gets a little bit tedious at times. Yeah. Um, your neighbors, they're just trying to be helpful. But when obviously when they see a foreigner moving in the area, um, Japanese people all know how it works. But because you're clearly not from around here, um, they may try to just make sure that you're doing it correctly because ultimately everybody pays the price if it's incorrect. So try not to get too annoyed if they start bringing your trash back. They're just trying to help. Um, Just be patient and do your best and ask for help if you need it. Yeah. So do you have any other advice for people who are just trying to cope? Maybe people who are more introverted or just more prone to homesickness. Do you have any advice about that? One thing I tell my students when we go don't go to mcdonald's mm. go to 7-eleven let's go to 7-eleven and eat yes. lunch because i'm gonna tell you what 7-eleven is in japan amazing uh, amazing right <laughs> oh my gosh fresh that's the first word i tell my students is, is fresh. that's how i describe it everything is fresh you've got rice balls you've got noodles you've got pasta you've got sandwiches and they're so delicious and cheap mm-hmm be be open-minded and just try things, explore things. If you, when, when we go there, we do a lot of traveling to temples, but if you're there for business and you have a minute, go to the local temple, go to a shrine, go to a museum, because this is just a part of their history. And there's just so much to see over there. Um, take advantage of it. Keep Keep yourself busy. And... Um, you know, go ahead, get lost on a train because you'll find your way back. Um, <laughs> I have so but... many lost train stories. So <laughs> I don't even have, I don't even have to try. <laughs> great. It's anyway. great. 
But and I can oh, assure you, you do find your way back. Trust you me. You do. Yeah. And, and if someone falls asleep on your shoulder on the tray, just leave them alone. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then having all of these experiences, learning what you can from them, um, just in your experience, does it seem like the more people are curious and kind of learn these specifics, does it help tie into learning more about Japan as a whole? Um, I found that in my experience, even stuff that's just completely unrelated to what you would expect, like, oh, this is a high context culture, low context culture, like all of these different spectrums that you place countries on, just paying attention to the details seems to go a long way to really more strongly understanding a country and what it's about. Is that true to your experience as well? Yes. Um, we need We need to understand that Japan has since since the day the first day they they walk into their kindergarten class they work as a team and everything is systematic and there's a reason for everything and just you just got to go with it you just got to work with it and understand that it's it's all about keeping the harmony within their society and keeping with the flow to make things flow well. And for me, sometimes it's just, just watching like at the, on the trains, the, the conductor, seeing them do what they do to me makes no sense, but to them, it's what they do. It's their system. And I just think, wow, they've got this, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They've got this figured out. Yeah. So then kind of, what would your advice be to, maybe a more um, aggressively individualistic American going in and being like, oh, this, this is inefficient. This doesn't make sense. Like, this is the way that things should be doing. What would you say to that, uh, to somebody who might be going into situations with that attitude? Maybe not intentionally, but maybe right. just over time getting more annoyed by right. the sheer number of details everybody has to pay attention to. Right. Try not to think like an American Try to put yourself in their shoes. Um, the, Japan as a country is so much older than America. <laughs> and, and there's a rhyme or reason for everything. And if, if you're feeling frustrated, just sit back and, and let it be. Um, learn from it. Because, you know, maybe you can bring something that you've seen there or learn there. Bring it back here with you. Yeah, there's a reason so many business phrases like Kaizen and things like that have been adopted into yes. American business culture of all yes. things. It's just because yes. it works. One culture's approach to business isn't inherently better. It's just different based on the context. So right. when you're dealing with certain problems, one country's is approach might be more suitable. So yep. anything you can learn just gives you more tools later on. Yep. That's such a great point. So then... How about reverse culture shock? What was your experience of that coming oh, home? Yeah, it's it's weird coming home um, because it's almost like you've gotten so used to the lifestyle in Japan that then you come home and you're like, whoa, why are they doing it that way? Whoa, why wow, you're kind of loud. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, culture shock. It's, it's a real thing. Um, I remember when I, I, my first job was in Battle Creek and 
I was talking to the secretary and I asked her, oh, where's the principal's office? And she told me, let's run the corner. So I look at her and I, and I bow to her. Help, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just, I did what I did. I had to get it out of my system and, and, and just, and just deal with it. But yeah, it's, it might take you a little bit to, to get over it, but it'll be okay. <laughs> And kind of like when you go to Japan, trying not to impose your Americanisms onto the country. It's really hard coming back to try not to impose those Japanisms that you're like, I actually like this better. We should all do this. So yes. yeah, you can't change American culture in the same way you can't change Japanese culture. You just have to learn to accept things as yes. they are, <laughs> where you are. Yes. And, and be careful if you come back and start driving, because oh. even though I didn't drive in Japan, mm-hmm. I remember one time making a right-hand turn and I went to the left lane. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> oh. So it's the littlest things. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You have to be careful about your autopilot because it's been changed. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you will be more exhausted when you come back in the same way that you were kind of exhausted when you went to Japan, just because you have to actually think things through. Right. So just be patient with yourself. Exactly. Exactly. It'll Give be yourself okay. Grace. It will all be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then are there any important lessons that people can learn from that culture shock and from adapting to a new culture? I know that you already have more of an international background, which probably went a long way to helping you um, be more adaptive in those situations, but are there any skills or mindsets that you think are important for people to cultivate during their time abroad? From what I see with my students, it's, it's a learning process and um, it's like taking a class. Like you have to learn like grammar, for example, you have to learn, you got to practice it. Same thing with culture. You just got to learn how to deal with it. And you have to make sure that you, that you put your mindset in the right, the right state of mind. And when you realize, oh my gosh, like I can't take this anymore. Or, oh my gosh, I miss this, that, and the other, like keep yourself busy, do something to get your mind off of it. And it'll, it'll be a process that'll work itself out. And before you know it, you're going to feel like you've lived there mm-hmm. this whole time without any issues. Like it's going to work itself out. Have you seen a marked difference between your students' reactions? Like maybe, um, this is just an example. I'm not sure if it relates, but students who might tend to have more of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Um, if those approaches seem to have different results when people go to Japan. Um, I've, I've seen a difference from before we go to Japan to after we come back from Japan. Okay. When when we come back from Japan, my students are more open-minded and so many of them want to go back, Mm. but they, it's not just, it's not just for their friends. It's for the system. Look, the trains in Japan, they're always on time. Yes. <laughs> if they're late, it's because something major happened. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why when you go to the store and they give you the tray for the money, so you can put your money on that little tray. That's that's part of their system. And my students come back thinking, you know, Sensei, I wish we had this in America like they did in Japan. And I love to see and hear those 
these stories, these comparisons that they have, because to me that shows they learned. And yeah, they're definitely a lot more open-minded and just want to just want to go back, want to keep traveling. They want to keep learning. Um, a lot of them tell me, oh, I'm going to go to college and improve my Japanese. And I'm going to go back to Japan and speak only in Japanese. Oh, wow. And just that, that motivation, it just makes me so happy. Yeah, that has to be the best thing to hear as a teacher. Yes. So those, um, that change in mindset, does that, is that mostly a personality thing or does it kind of bleed into how they approach um, studying and learning. I know that you're a Japanese teacher, but I don't know if you have any insight into how your students come back and approach other subjects that they learn. Um, at least for Japanese, the students that have gone to Japan, they try even harder when they continue on with my class mm -hmm. to, to learn more and to, it's funny when we learn certain vocab, They'll be like, oh my gosh, I had this in Japan, or I heard that in Japan, or and they, they kind of bring it back to their time in Japan. And it's the connections is just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how much more um learning a language, the we're learning more about how people acquire language, and it's much more of a circular process than it is a linear process. Yes. Which yeah. ironically is more fitting with kind of um the stereotype of how Japanese people think versus Americans think. Right. They're very linear. They're more contextual and going back, yeah. coming back. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. that's always been super interesting to me too. So if you go to Japan, you don't have language skills that you want. It's still not a waste because your brain stores away those little nuts for later. So then yeah. when you see it, when you're learning, it'll then make those connections. Yes. So people shouldn't be discouraged if they don't have time to learn before they go because they'll oh, still gosh, gain no. skills. Yeah. No, you'll, it's amazing what you pick up when you're in a country that you don't speak the language. Even just the simple, konnichiwa, mm -hmm. arigato, um, it's, it's just your mind learns things, hears things and remembers it and, and you're able to, to use it in different situations. Um, and, and, and again, in Japan, English is taught K-12. So I'm not saying every single person speaks it, but a lot of people speak English. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing about that is I know it feels kind of weird and gross sometimes, but if you know um, Katakana, you kind of know the phonetic alphabet of Japanese. Yes. Um, after time, you can kind of figure out how a Japanese person would pronounce specific English yeah. words. So you can even just kind of um, Japanize English words. And then a lot of times they'll understand what you're saying because they learned it. They just may not um, have the language skills to, because like producing and hearing are two different skills. So right. yep. if somebody seems to not understand anything, they can probably actually pick up a lot more than you think. So don't exactly. be shy. Agreed. So do you have any examples of a cultural communication breakdown in Japan? For me, I can't think of one right now, but there is one with a student of mine that that stands out. Okay. Um, she, we went to to our such a school in Chiba, and she was in her host family, and she was telling her host father because they had asked her about taking a shower, and she said, "Well, I like to shower in the morning," and he lectured her how in Japan they they shower at night, they bathe at night, 
Mm-hmm. And so that she came back to school the next day and she was very flustered and, and frustrated and was kind of embarrassed and didn't know how to handle it. And, and I said, you know, that's a perfect example of um, a cultural difference. Um, and I told her, I said, you just talk to your host sister at the time and just explain to her. For the most part, the Japanese are like, fine, you want to take a shower in the morning, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but this host father could have very well just been more traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let her take care of it because this is the learning experience that she needed. Mm-hmm. So I just told her, you need to just go back and just talk to your host sister and talk to your host father. And she did. And everything was fine. It's so just, you have to advocate for yourself. Yes, definitely. That's a whole other skill is kind of trying to navigate yeah. advocating for yourself to an extent. Because yes. it's not about like trying to make yourself Japanese. It's learning about Japanese culture so that you can be more effective when you're in right. it. Yep. Like, there's a very big distinction there. You don't have to not be American. You just have, you have to be a sensitive American in Japan. You just can't yes. bulldoze everybody else with your ideas. So. Exactly. There's exactly. definitely some nuance there. So if you knew one of your students, like studied Japanese in high school with you, uh, kind of fell to the wayside for mm-hmm. a few years, and then they get in contact with you and say, hey, I'm actually going to go to Japan for business, maybe um, as more of a long-term expat or mm-hmm. just for a business trip. Um, and they just want you to teach them something about the culture that will be most effective for them once they get there. What would you tell them to know or be aware of when they go to Japan? I I would just tell them to be open-minded and, and just, just keep in mind that the Japanese are good people and they want to help and to, to reach out if, they have any issues that's that's a tough question mm-hmm. um i mean there's 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 a lot i would want to tell them but i guess open-mindedness is the first thing that that would come to mind because like we had mentioned you know you don't want anyone to go there just with the american state the american mind and like i'm american and this is how we do it in america you need to go and 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 respect their culture and the way they do things. So you need to be open-minded and, and learn from that. What do you think the best way is for somebody to try to cultivate that more open-mindedness just because um, the stereotype for Americans is just that right. we're not exactly culturally curious. We're a very big um, country of right. largely one language, one culture. Obviously right. there's, uh, there's exceptions, but as a whole country, it's not like Europe where you drive an hour and then all of a sudden you're somewhere else completely with a different right. language. How would you advise somebody who maybe has limited intercultural experiences to try to cultivate that? I would tell them to just watch before doing anything. For example, you're at the train station. You don't know what to, you don't know where to get your ticket from. You don't know how to get your ticket, what, what to do with it. Watch the Japanese people, look at what they do and, and learn from that. So sit back, look around, look what's around you, watch the people, what they're doing, and then follow what they're doing and do what you need to get done. And also if 
somebody ends up kind of embarrassing themselves doing a major faux pas in the country. Um, do you have any insight into kind of coping with that embarrassment? I know it's it's just hard when you've been in a very homogenous area to all of a sudden just have absolutely no idea what's the right thing and then have maybe people laugh at you for doing something silly. Do you have any advice about coping with that kind of embarrassment? Because I know for me, it was kind of traumatizing the first few times. I think I'm sure when I was in high school, when I went, it probably would have been traumatizing for me then. Mm -hmm. But now I, I tend to just laugh at my own mistakes because Mm -hmm. how else are you going to learn? You got to make your mistakes. You're going to learn from your mistakes. Yes. I know it might be embarrassing, but you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. They're going to forget about this. You're going to forget about it. Just keep moving on and, and keep exploring and learning and, and doing what you're doing in Japan. That's probably one of the stronger, I guess, transferable skills that you learn going to another country is just learning how to learn, learning how to adapt, and then learning how to not take yourself so seriously. Right. Because it's so hard. It's just so hard to learn if you think you already know everything. It just doesn't work. Right. Right. So in my opinion, I feel like that's one of the reasons why people who have lived abroad have cross-cultural experiences tend to have such higher rankings when it comes to um, social skills, communication skills, more nuanced thinking. That's probably, in my opinion, that's probably one of the big sources is just those transferable skills you gain living abroad. All right. So is there anything that you'd like to mention to my listeners about Japan, something you're most um, maybe excited about when it comes to Japanese culture or if you have the chance, if you have the opportunity, take it. Mm-hmm. You will not regret it. It's amazing. Japan, Japan's an amazing country. Um, it's a beautiful country. The food is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, you can get from, from very cheap lunches at 7-Eleven to, yes. to, to fine dinners. Um, there's a great range and there's vending machines everywhere. So you will never go thirsty <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and just take it all in. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you get yeah. the most out of it. So I think that will wrap up our conversation for today. Thank you so much for your time. It was great to talk to you, hear about your experiences, hear about what you're doing with Japan and your students. I'm so, your students are so blessed to have you as their teacher because you clearly care not only about them, but about the subject you're teaching and you're willing to invest so much in them. So just thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. I know that we touched on a lot of different topics, so be sure to let me know if there's a specific one you would like this podcast to dig more deeply into the future by either sending an email or leaving a voice message. You can find information on how to do both of those things in the description of this episode. And don't forget to email me if you'd like access to my Japanese study cheat sheet as well. But for now, remember that the more you learn, the more confident you will become as you explore all of the opportunities Japan has to offer you. So if you found the information here today useful, please subscribe for more Japanese language and cultural guidance. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to hear more content in the future, please consider leaving a review. It really helps other people find the show. 
And of course, if you have any other questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes or interview topics, please email me at businesssuccessjapan at gmail.com. Until next time, mata kondo!